Welcome back, dear listener readers, to Slow Readers. I'm your usual co-host, Daniel Gonzalez, and with me as always is... Oh wait, I'm all alone. So yeah, uh, we're going to be skipping this week, uh, Slow Readers. There's no new episode. Uh, Me and Gabriel had a gig come up, and we became very, very invested in it. And it kind of ate up all our time this weekend. Uh, that's what happens when we wait until the day before publishing day. <laughs> that said, uh, don't feel too lonely. We'll still hang with you all day long. But we are going to be re-releasing a previous episode. Uh, going through them, looking for something that wasn't embarrassing. I found the old Kitchen Confidential episode that was very special to both of us. So just for, you know, humor's sake, that's not a thing. Uh, I'm going to republish it for this week so that all you new listeners can enjoy. Uh, this is the old format, which we've thankfully done away with, so it's, it takes a little time to get to the actual main discussion. So always rely on the show notes below listed in the description. So without further ado, I'll uh, now we'll go to Slow Readers, episode 59, Kitchen Confidential by Anthony Bourdain, recorded shortly before the man's tragic death. And also, yeah, uh, we'll maybe I think next week we're either going to be doing Unbearable Lightness of Being or perhaps uh, The Great Gatsby with a very special guest. Uh, stay tuned for next week for a surprise, as we all will. Until then, enjoy this old thing. Hear ye, hear ye. We have a new location. A new location, sir. That we've plundered. What's that act? That's what, what's that? You said hear ye, hear ye. So I thought you were like like some kind of courtier, raconteur. Gabriel, I always say hear ye, hear ye. You have never I said that. Always, I say not once. I say damn girl. You do say that. I say that. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Those are my two things. Well, there's also the hap. Be... No idea what you're talking about. Okay. So this is Slow Readers. Slow Readers. Your fast-paced downhill slide. This is true. Okay. It's like a Jamaican bobsled. Brought to you, cool runnings. Mm. Brought to you by uh, Slow Readers. What's by it called? Slop Gallant Radio. <laughs> slop Gallant Radio. Yeah, because Slop Gallant. I like yeah. that. Yeah. That's, that's, what, that's what Cool Camp calls us. Huh. Slop Gallant. You know, those guys at Slop Gallant. Those guys at Gimlet. Yeah. <laughs> More like blow readers. Oh, <laughs> how dare you! We'll get you. We'll we'll just wait until we'll it get comes you, to Gimlet. The 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 camp triathlon race. We'll show com- competition. you, jocks. Yeah, like the Gimlet is the jocks. Yeah, they're or cool camp. We're fat camp. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so this is slow readers. Slow reader is your weekly fast-paced literature podcast brought to you by Top Gallant Radio. Uh-huh. The topic is always on literature. We, we, we talk about non-literature reading. We talk about magazine articles, psychic reading. We talk about horoscopes, psychic waves. We talk about. <laughs> Benet Brown. Olivia Munn as Psylocke. Benet Brown? That's also not a name. Breen. Yeah, Breen Brown. Mm-hmm. Or is it Brené? It's Brené. I forgot. Where's the... Yeah, the accent's on, on the, the second, second E, one. right? Yeah, yeah. so it's Brené. I referenced Brené Brown in a, uh, in a cover letter I just wrote. Gross. Yeah, I know. Gabriel, this... Oh, I don't for... brave wilderness. The wilderness braves me. First off... I'm a man. First off, Mr. Wilderness. Just like Nico Case. Uh, good, good, good. Great music. Great song. Uh, what song are you talking about? It's called I'm a Man by Nico Case. Oh, yeah, I didn't know she wrote a song. What, what album was that? A uh, recent one. 
A recent one? I haven't mm-hmm. listened to. It's I haven't heard like the single. I mean, it was great. Like it came out like three years ago at this point. But oh no, she had a new album. It came out like I don't even know. If oh, she had a new. I don't even know if it's no, even I don't out think yet. New new came out yet. She had a new single come out though. It's it's either it's either like about to come out or it just came out. Her new single is good, but she has no new album yet. Uh yeah, I gotta be honest though. I think like hold on, hold on is like one of my favorite songs. I mean, she's one of my top like five favorite singers. I wouldn't even, like, I, easily. I wouldn't say that. It's still like this thing where like I wish it was a little more. It's still not, like, I'm still, like, pulling away from, and I hate to get into, like, this kind of thing real conventional. Even before I introduced myself, I want to yeah, say. Yeah, I haven't said our names. I was about to. Then you kept fucking going on about Brene Nico Brown. Case. Uh, so yeah, anyway. It was called The Worst Things Get, The Harder I Fight, The Harder I Fight, The More I Love You. That's the name of the album? Album that came out a couple years ago. Okay, yeah. That, that one if, I haven't even I'm heard. A, if, oh, the song's called Man, but the chorus is about I'm a man. Okay. Good for Such her. a good song. She's a cool chick. I, I, I love her. Love her voice. Um, Gabriel, first what? off, I am the co-host. The what? The co-host. You mean the co-most? I, the co-host of the co-host. The co-host of the, the most co-most? milk toast co-host. Uh-huh. Sure. I'm going to I'm gonna stop it right there before I somehow manage to slip in the word homo in there. Sure. That's Because that was going to be in like the rhyming scheme. I always say the co-host with the homo-most. Co-host. Was it co-most with the co- with, with the, the homo-most. Okay. I can't talk like that. Girl. Gabriel, listen. What? Damn girl, listen a whole lot. Okay, hold on. Okay, first off, I'm what? the co-host. Yes. Daniel Reichel, a.k.a. Daniel Gonzalez. Daniel Gonzalez. Daniel Reichel Gonzalez. Daniel Reichel Gonzalez. D-W-R-G. Uh, I am a writer. Uh-huh. A podcast producer and oh. editor and... Oh. Author. Oh! Gabriel? Yeah? What are you? Listeners, my name is Gabriel Mara. I am a writer. I am a filmmaker. I'm a comedian. And I make the potty potty fun, fun cast musics. What? I make fun <laughs> cast musics. Fun cast musics? Yes. I picked up my electric guitar and I am tuning it. Yeah, I'm gonna come back around to that. Okay, no problem. We'll, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll talk about it a little bit. But, Gabriel? Yeah. You said that this is a show about. Psychic readings Psychic and readings. Psy- on, uh, Olivia Munn as Psylocke. Yes. Correct. <laughs> Good movie. Great. What? what Two a, hours I spent. What a fucking movie that one is. Sure was. Do you know that there's like like the there's another one I think coming out this year? Yeah, Dark Phoenix. Yeah. Starring Sophie Turner. Starring Sophie Turner. And Guy Face from Ready Player One. Uh, Ty Sheridan. Sure. Who? Uh, you know how I know him? Ty Sheridan where? You know who I know? You, shut hey, up. No, 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 no. You, you know actually where I know him the most, and it's gonna and it's something that you'll that you hate every time you hear the name of it. Oh boy, he was one of the boys in Tree of Life. Oh, okay, that makes sense. I think he was the main boy. I don't He's really the main remember. boy. They all look the same. Yeah, I don't say fucking all kid. small, boyish, white, blonde. Yeah. Uh, they Looking all at your own hair as a blonde. They all look like uh, they could be Brad Pitt's children. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, this is slower. This is a good movie. Uh, we. <laughs> It's always about books. It's always about books and Terrence Malick movies. And Malik movies. I, I do have a really uh, a grim uh, pride in the fact that on your punk rock movie podcast, I mm-hmm. was the one who brought up Terrence Malick. You always bring up Terrence Malick. And I think at like at a circus, I'll bring up Terrence Malick. I, yes, at I McDonald's, I'll talk about Terrence Malick. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I fucking would. Because you know why? Why? First off, they mistreating the elephants. This is true. Second off, they mistreating the, the McDonald's workers at the zoo. In the zoo, they mistreat the elephants. Zooby, zooby, zoo. Um, hey, Don, I'm singing the song for you. Zooby, zooby, zoo. Zooby, zooby, zoo. Yes. What's the name of the song? 
Zoobie Zoobie Zoo. Yeah, should have come up yeah. with a better name. Want to talk about Mad Men for like another forty minutes? Oh god, I wish so. But you know what, Gabriel? Before yeah, before funny. we talk about Mad Men for yeah. another hour, uh-huh. uh huh. We have this thing called a corkboard. A cork bard. Yes, and uh, and it's gonna be something that's relatively. Oh, whoa, whoa! Before we do that, um, show notes. Yes, show notes. We, I, I thought the exact same second. Yeah, because I was about to I was about to really kick into like the thing that people are dying to hear about, and mm-hmm. instead I was like, wait, hold on. Is it the unveiling of a new rap album? Uh, no. But that's gonna be on the core question. Okay, okay. Uh, but no, people came here to hear about our opinions about how Mad Men and the ending of this this show that was very popular that ended several years ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They want to hear about this, but there are some people out there who want to hear us talk about the thing in the title of the episode. Okay. And for those people, we have to just gently tap on the brakes and be like, oh, by the way. If you want to hear about talking about whatever dumb book we read, yeah, I don't know. I read so many books lately. Yeah. Um, just go ahead, go I down. Read so many listicles. So many listicles. Uh, I don't know what's a listicle. It's like an article that's a list. Like BuzzFeed is made up of listicles. Okay. Yeah. Listeners, there's show notes down below. So if you just want to skip straight to the talk about Kitchen Confidential. Swipe down and you'll see, go to Minute Mahoozle Baboozle. It'll say Kitchen Confidential by Anthony Baudouin. And if you swipe right, you get to see the secret podcast that's hidden in here. It's only for a very specific few. If you're the chosen few out there, if you swipe right, you'll know if you're chosen. And if you swipe right on me, I'll just send you like a, like a, like a what up and straight up a, a picture of my penis. What up, dick pic. What up, dick pic. Corkboard. So, corkboard. So, for that aside, it's a corkboard time. I've never taken a picture of my penis. Gabriel. Yep. So, there's this thing called a corkboard. Sure. It's a board of cork. Yeah. And What's on it? There, uh, a cork. Tax? No, there's there's tax and there's things on the tax. And ads we're looking for, at it right now. Ads for psychic readings? Ads for psychic readings. Lost, lost dogs. Cats. Uh, and cats. Hey. We took that opposite direction. Bands. Band gigs. Uh, band gigs. Local improv shows. Local improv shows. People looking for an improv team. Yeah. Who does that? That's weird. Improv people. I guess so. I mean, that's... The, yeah. That's Let me the... join your improv team. Picture of face. Hey, I'm an improv comedian. I'm looking for a team. Who wants to be my friend? Mm. That's depressing. Well, that's how that's how it is for improv. I mean, if you gotta sense. you gotta start somewhere, man. This is but true. You gotta get you gotta get over that thing. It's like um, it, 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 I don't know, just like asking kind of thing. It's so personal. It's so I find it so uncomfortably personal. Just like being like, hey, can I be in your improv group? That's I feel like I'm going to a stranger and say, hey, can I come over your house? No, you just have to you, you have to form it organically. You don't just ask. It's weird. It's like inviting yourself to something that. Maybe you want to go, but there's probably a way to do it. But, you know, my philosophy is that if you didn't already invite me to something, I'm not going to invite myself. Well, yeah, but there's that. But let's say, like, you actually don't know where, like, you don't have direct connections to an improv group. Mm -hmm. You're not going to show up at an improv performance and then be like, ha, 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 hey, guys, you want to hang out? You know, it's just going to be as awkward. So at some point, you might have to do that. Anyway. Anyway, shut the fuck up. This This is a goddamn... Literature podcast, Madhouse. we're going to talk about literature. And Gabriel, we're uh-huh. going to talk about a very specific literature. Uh-huh. First up, it involves a little book called The Shadow from the Deep. Oh boy. By Daniel Gonzalez. Hey, I know that guy. A.K.A. on goodreads.com. Yes. Uh, Gonzalez is uh, spelled with an accent. Okay. Uh, because they, they paired me with another Daniel Gonzalez. Awesome. Who uses the accent. I don't use the accent. No. He uses the accent. And, What's uh, it on? What? What's, what's accent done? 
Uh, it's actually, I don't even know. Did he give, give someone umlaut? Wait, yeah, there's like a, no, it's not umlaut. There, there's like a real common way to spell Gonzalez with like an accent. And I don't even, mm. I don't even know what vowel it's over. Ephesus would be Gonzales. would be on. I think it's the on the a, second A. On the a. a. Yeah, it's like the second. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Right. It makes, you're not Gonzales or Gonzales. Yeah, Gonzales. I just say Gonzalez, whatever. Yeah, I'm you're emphasizing it. Hmm. Uh, America. It's my gringo way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gabriel, so. Yeah, what up? Uh, on Goodreads. First off, uh, long story short, I published a little uh, horror story called The Shadow from the Deep. Hey! Uh, and it is it is essentially like, it is a repackaging of like the story I published a year ago. I don't have to know that. No, well, I want to just say that it basically is that in the sense where like I put it out there and then didn't really do anything mm-hmm. and then figured out how like, oh, I... That's yeah. You need to do it a little bit better. Yeah, do some marketing. Yeah, that's what it is. And yeah, like, don't you have a degree in marketing? What? Don't you have a degree in marketing? Yeah. None of it's very useful. <laughs> uh, it's Go a completely on. different thing. How about Go this? On. Like, not to get too much into it, but like studying marketing is essentially not entirely like this is how to do marketing through social media. Sure. Which, like, if you're not a professional marketer or you're not a company who can afford, like, professionals, like, you need to do everything through social media. And there wasn't, it. there was, I think, one class on digital marketing. That's Hmm. it. So. Yeah, that was a couple years ago. It was a couple years ago, too, man. Before Facebook. I feel like it, that that isn't really an excuse for them, because, like, technically, if they wanted to be on the cutting edge, you 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 should have jumped on that. Been, yeah. But they didn't. Hey, that's what we got you to me for. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah, so, like... Uh, so, Shadow from the Deep is a book. The Shadow from the Deep is a book by Daniel Gonzalez. Yay. Who's me. Yay. And, uh... And it's basi- a novelette. And basically, so I put it on there, I put it up there, and I'm always surprised, because I only publish this thing through Amazon Kindle, yeah. right? And just like with the previous incarnation of the story, mm. I just go, oh, books for some reason are like automatically just put on Goodreads. And okay. like, this was like eight, like with the last incarnation, eight months, this is the, catching people up because we talked about this in a previous episode. Yes. Like she never ten, wrote back. 10 months. Good. 10 <laughs> months, which is so awkward. I, Gabriel, I don't know if you heard me like, just go like, don't do that. Don't, yeah. that's so weird. No, you were like, sweating. It I was, heard you sweat. It was very uncomfortable. Like I, I should have shut up the recording and been like, Gabe, stop it. Uh, oh, not cool, Gabe. Hilarious. Like I was flat out telling you like, not cool, Gabe. Don't yeah. do it. That's and so I did weird. Do it. Anyway, I did it. I so, uh, so the, the I did it so basically, times. ten months. Okay, so ten months after like I published the thing, I went on Goodreads and just found out that some random person gave me a gave me a review for mm-hmm. that, and all it was, it was three out of five stars. Yeah. No text at all. No explanation. Nothing. <laughs> and I was just like surprised and really, uh, <laughs> I found it really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it's like, I didn't think this at all. It's just like some like yeah, they it's, accented like, you. The most mediocre thing, right? Mm-hmm. So. So with this thing, uh, not a week after I published this version, The Shadow from the Deep, mm-hmm. uh, Gabriel, we're moving up in the world. Yeah. Because it has one review mm-hmm. by someone, no text, yep. no explanation at all. However, <laughs> four out of five stars. Four stars. I'm looking at it right now. Tamara rated mm-hmm. it four stars. I'm going to hit like. Yeah. Like. Yeah, there yeah, you go. There was a like button. Yeah. Was yeah, no, they give you an accent. Yeah. Gonzalez. Out of the second A, right? Well, there's only one A. Ah, that's a good point. <laughs> you said, no, fuck you. You said the second A I corrected before. myself. I, I'm like, there's only one A. I don't know. It's just the A. Ah, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, so, All right, so you're moving on up. Yeah, moving on up. So basically, and uh, yeah, so, and, and I think that's what, it, it definitely helps. I think that's with like the name change and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, just really trying to get like the packaging to look right. And that's how you sell something because everything else doesn't really matter. Conventional like marketing and such through like Amazon Kindle, for example, is, Totes. is it, like doesn't really help. It's more just like like a loss of money, and like if you can afford to like blow a bunch, you might be able to sell some. But yeah. really, the best thing to do is 
to uh, give away free copies of it, mm-hmm. like constantly, and I'm always making a big thing. Definitely out there, guys and gals, uh, check out to when we're uh, when I'll be re- uh, announcing that this book is for free because definitely grab it while it's free. And uh, the whole idea is that, like, yeah, people out there. Pick it up, and if you're a reviewer type, go ahead and give a review. Not 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 a paragraphs, not a deep explanation about how it is. Just just leave a review because it definitely helps us schmoes. It helps you schmoes. So yeah, and that's the stuff I look forward to. Good old Daniel schmo. Also, go out there and review. You know what? Slow fucking read us. Yeah, give us a review. We need your review. Because we got we got like so many subscribers. We're actually doing pretty well, and it's I'm actually surprised. It's disappointing so well. that there's not not that, that there's only so many reviews out there. What's it gonna take, listeners, to get you to review our show? What's it gonna take? Want me to do a rap of your name? I'll do a rap. That's what they did in Gilmore Guys. Every time they got reviews, they would do a freestyle rap incorporating all their names. Yeah, good for them. That's pretty funny. You can maybe do that. I love Gilmore Guys. So, um. So, yeah, no, that was my Goodreads story. Why are you still on your phone? <laughs> so, I look up this person, Tamara, and according to... It says that we have one mutual friend, but I can't find who that person is. She she reviews a lot. Like, if you look at the stuff that she reviews, mm-hmm. it's like it's like 3,000 books, yes. 3,000, yeah, where she, like, really, like, blows through a lot of, like, like harsh lock. Hey, Tamara, you're doing God's work. Also, so I'm all about it. I'm wondering if I should stop calling Tamara? Tamara? I really need... Tamara, Tamara. Tamara. Ta- Tamara, there you go. I think you've got it. It's like Gamera. Uh, Who's that person? I wonder. So like, yeah, no, she she. Really, I'm gonna friend you. I'm wondering if I should call it horror fantasy or instead like horror adventure. I think that's what it should I don't be. Know, maybe you should go. What's what's the more buzzworthy one? I think horror is more buzzworthy. Horror is the more buzzworthy. 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 But it's uh, but yeah, it's it's like it's like um, whatever. Anyway, it's hard to describe. And like I said before, Gabriel in private, the hardest thing I think I've ever written in my life are blurbs yes. for things that I've written. Well, self-promotion is difficult if it doesn't come natural to you. And I think that it's one of those skills that you... It's kind of like being that when you're in high school and you don't know why you can't get a girlfriend and mm-hmm. you see people being, like, embarrassing, but they're definitely getting laid. And then it's like, well, you like, just gotta oh, go up and talk to I her, I know man. exactly how, what I'm supposed to do, but... It's weird. I don't. It feels it's, odd. Yeah, and it's I, like why you don't edit your own work. It's like it's like, hey, I'm an improviser who, without an improvising group, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, you know what? I just the need team. to. Do? I just need to put a bunch of things on cork boards, and just that say, hey, I'm looking for an improv group. I think you'd be to put up a board saying, I'm starting an improv team. Looking for other people. That, Not, that, for example, that's a better way to put. Yeah, that. it's like it's like same thing, but like just doing, yeah, but then it's being more uh-huh. progressive. It's like going on Craigslist and being like the, putting a post on saying that hey, I want someone. It's the other way around. You you, you approach people who are offering. Work. I want someone. Give me you. <laughs> Give me person. Give me person, Danny. <laughs> Uh, Gabriel, yeah, I can't find Tamara, who's my mutual friend. With her. Do we have a? Do we have anything? Oh, you know what we should talk about? Bur- what should we talk and, about? And brief. What should I have Just because I, I, I do, I am really happy that we did this. What? Um, in a local theater mm-hmm. around here. Yeah. They are doing. We're in Alaska. Ghibli Fest. Ghibli Fest. Well, I think it's Fathom Events is doing Ghibli, Ghibli things. Fathom what? Fathom Events. What? Fathom is kind of like a nationwide thing where they present special screenings to movies. So they'll do something really cool like a. The other day they were doing um, *Rebel Without a Cause*, and mm-hmm. I was gonna go see it. So Fathom kind of brings repertory films to big movie theaters, which is a nice thing they do. Okay, it's okay. So it was that, but they specifically it is a Ghibli. But Fest. right now it is Ghibli Fest. Yes, and which is pretty cool. And uh, like I think that honestly, like it, with all the movies that they would have to do, that's not true at all. I was gonna say like there's only one out. That's not true. <laughs> um, but I forgot what it was. It was nine movies. Uh-huh. Um, 
And basically, like, it just happens to be that this week on a Wednesday, they were doing, Gabriel, one of my favorite movies of all time, let alone Ghibli films, let yeah. alone Hayao Miyazaki films. Sure. My favorite movies, period, mm-hmm. was playing at the fucking theater around here. Yeah, and who told you it was playing? Mysterious person who will never know. He remains anonymous out there. Yeah. A real good friend. Some ghosty person. So after this person told me, I went to Gabriel. And I was like, "Ugh, Gabriel, guess I'll invite you. Yeah, God. Guess what's playing at this theater over here? Mm-hmm. Porco fucking Rosso. Porco lino. And yes, the person was you who told me. Yeah, it was me. In fact, you left I, my I house. I walked out of your house <laughs> through your, like, like, doing some work, mm-hmm. and then I was just on my phone, kind of like, oh, what movie should I see? And then I immediately turned around and started banging your door, like, Daniel! Daniel! I was like, what the fuck? And then you show me Porco Rosso on your phone, I was like, oh, fuck. God yeah. I was like bummed out, because I'm like, I have to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Porco Rosso, the 1992 uh, Hayao Miyazaki, a.k.a. Studio Ghibli film, yeah. uh, about an Italian deserter, I guess. He's a bounty hunter, a, a sky bounty hunter, who yes. basically goes around rescuing hostages and loot from Sky Pirates. Yeah, but it's not like like Final Fantasy Sky Pirates. It's post World War One in the like in the Mediterranean Sea mm-hmm. in the Adriatic, and it's all about you know these like renegade honorable like pirates who fly planes. Yes, uh, yeah, that's it's kind it's of charming as fuck. It's it's charming as fuck. It is one of my favorite movies for I think a big reason that I think I know why. But, love um, pigs. Yeah, it's because I love. But like in, in a, it's about a man who's a pig who flies planes. Oh, that's yeah, that's the other thing we meant to say. Yeah, the Porco Rosso, the titular character, is he's like a, a, a veteran of World War One, aka the Great War. Yeah. And uh, at some point, mysteriously, he was transformed into a pig, an anthropomorphic yeah. pig. And uh, yeah, he, voiced by Michael Keaton. Uh, yeah, I'll get to that in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, here's a little anecdote that I love from Miyazaki. Oh, what? Uh, an, an anecdote. A what? An anecdote. It's a bit like our tangents, but if they were more contained and specific. I don't... Um, I, I know about Danecdotes and Gables. Yeah, but you know what? This isn't a Danecdote and Gable, because that has nothing to do with me. Oh, that's fair. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, it's been a while since we did one of those. It has been quite some time, has it not? Yeah, it has been some time. It's been quite some time, has it not? <laughs> Gabriel, uh, Hayao Miyazaki himself yep. said that uh was kind of critiquing his own Known work. Known Def Leppard t-shirt wearer. A, oh, yeah, absolutely. I feel like he would... I feel like he does love Def Leppard for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he was complaining about some of his work. and That's he actually mentioned... a great premise for a movie. Kind of like one of your bad Santa style things. Where bad it's animator. A... Yeah, it's like, it's like a legendary animator where like he just walks around shambling in his bathrobe and boxer shorts and Def Leppard t-shirt. And he chain smokes cigarettes. And he puts out like the best fucking movies. He puts out the movies. most like, beautiful, amazing kids. Because he's like super cynical about it. He's like, no, I just tell us about planes. That's These a, aren't kids' movies. They just make movies. That's a very doable thing, especially it might even tie into the thing that we're talking about later, to be honest with you. <gasps> the whole idea about, like, you know, you expect you expect something out of the people who produce the stuff that are complete. Even Miyazaki, he, <gasps> he looks like the kind of person who does this, but then, like, you see him, and he's, like, this old, crotchety, cynical chain smoker. Yeah, no. That's, vicious chain smoker. I, I only made up the, like, the t-shirt thing. I bet that dude really does. Like, like, either he goes home and puts on the most formal kimono in the world, mm-hmm. or he dresses up, he wears like sweatpants and Def t-shirts. I Well, I always feel like he always dresses like how you always see him. Like, like wherever he was. But like, but the, then he's like, Scratching his nuts and, and yeah, <laughs> you know, know like that, somewhere actually. in the world, like Hayao Miyazaki scratches his nuts. Scratch, yeah, he scratches nuts. Everyone scratches their nuts. At some point, he's gonna tell somebody about some awful shit he had. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, 
So, uh, Porco Rosso is <laughs> oh, yeah. a brilliant, beautiful movie. I never finished that fucking stupid anecdote. Nope, finish your anecdote. Okay, okay sorry. You're... He just, his big thing is that he said that uh, Porco Rosso was a quote-unquote uh, failed movie. And someone was like, what are you talking about? Porco Rosso's really good. And he goes, it's a kid's movie. It's supposed mm. to be a kid's movie. That's not a kid's movie. Yeah. And that's very evident if you see this movie because oh, absolutely. Even if like if you look at the audience, because we saw this at seven p.m., it's the only it's the only time it was playing, right? Yeah. Like, they're con- they're constantly changing it up. Mm-hmm. Like the audience was full of adults. Yeah. So like yeah, I think we were the youngest people there. Uh, maybe. Maybe actually, I don't no. actually that. no, that's not true. There was a bunch like of young yeah. white people in shorts. Yeah, <laughs> we're shorts. I, I am shorts. right now actually. Yeah, they're pretty cool shorts actually. Thank you. They're they're pink with uh, marlins on them. Yeah, who says what they are? Uh, so yeah, uh, Gabriel. What Marlon's a bird. Porco Rosso. Do you want to talk mind. about how much you like it? Porco. Oh, I'm a big Miyazaki fan as well as anyone in the world should be. Um, Porco Rosso. I told you. I said to you as you walked out of the movie theater. That movie goes by so quickly that there isn't a wasted second in it, mm-hmm. and every scene is joyful and wonderful and amazing, and it's it's just fucking outstanding. Yeah, uh, like it goes by in a blink. It. I don't remember how long. How long is it? Is it ninety like something or hundred something? Minutes? I don't remember. I yeah. think it's shorter than average. Actually. I forgot if it was shorter than average or it's about like. A, I feel like it's a hundred something minutes. I, I could okay. be wrong about that. I think it was ninety three. But uh, but yeah, no, I, I I love this movie and, and like again, kind of like poking fun of like how much he was supposed to be making a a children's movie and he made Porco oh, Rosso. Hundred and two minutes. Okay, so yeah, it's it's it feels shorter. Yeah, it's um, kind of wild. And, uh, and, and just Theo. Porco Rosso is like a very, he's like a, shl- he's like a, a, I don't say a schlub, but like. No, he's, he's like, um, he's a little heavy set, but it's like stocky, muscular heavy set. I'm talking more of his personality. Oh, because okay, like, of his body. He's, there's a very strong, like, he's, like Italian person. He's like, kind of brusque. He, he's brusque. Like you get introduced to him. Like he's just like laying, laying in the sun with like a newspaper over his head. And when like the mm-hmm. phone rings, he like shuts off his radio with his foot. Yeah. Like he's a cool, ca- like cool, casual macho. And he's like very dismissive about like. People who are saying it's like, what are you doing going out there? Just join, rejoin the like the 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 air force. Yeah, and he's just like, I'm a pig. I'm I don't do pig. that. Yep. Uh, which brings me to do another point. Uh, this was I don't know about you, Gabriel. This was the first time that I've seen this movie beginning to end with the English dubbing. I've seen this movie maybe four or five times, and I think that's half the time I saw it with the dub. Okay, I, I've never seen it with with the dubbing. Mm. I've seen I've I've seen little bits of it. No. Uh, and then this, uh, the, the lead, the, the big names of this is that, Keaton uh, is back baby? Michael Keaton, who is back baby, mm-hmm. uh, plays Porco Rosso. Porco Lino. Uh, and the American Air Force, uh, Curtis? Curtis, yeah, Jesus. Donald Curtis? Donald Curtis. Uh, he is played by Carrie Ewells. Elvis. Ewells. Elvis. Yeah, Carrie Elwes, also known as um, Wesley from The Princess Bride. Princess Bride, aka that one guy from Shadow from the Va- Shadow of a Vampire. Anyway, yes, uh, same character from Shadow of the Vampire. There's like something he's essentially the same guy. Yeah, there, there was like another movie. He's oh, also he was Bram also Stoker's in Dracula, isn't he? Yeah, he wasn't that. He wasn't. He wasn't Bram Stoker's Dracula. He's like mm-hmm. some random guy. I think I he was the Texan. I think the same character he played in Shadow of a Vampire. Yeah, he, he, like <laughs> Carrie Elwes, who is British, weirdly pulls off like a charming Texan. He's British. Yeah, Carrie Elwes is British. He usually plays like the most American guy in the world. What do you mean he was in Princess Bride and he was also Robin Hood, Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yeah, that's right. He was Robin, famous yeah. joke, or it's like, why should we trust you? Out of all the other Robin Hoods, I'm the only one of a British accent, and everyone's like, oh yeah, definitely. What? 
That was a good one. Yeah. Been I like that movie. Is it good? I, I don't know if it's going to be one of those it's things It's really, really, really dated. And it's it's just... It almost, like, tilts into scary movie territory, but it still maintains strong Mel Brooks. It, uh, yeah, it's kind of funny how... Um... Like, Mel Brooks was really, like, playing to, like, the cheap seats for that one, which is, yeah. like, it, you can totally see him being cool with that. And then, like, there was, like, the scary movies, which absolutely just went, like, we're going to go even lower. And, and like, then there was, like, the epic movies, which is just the most absolute garbage thing you'll ever see. I, uh, I read something on AV Club that went into, like, the history of, like, the scary movies, how, like, mm-hmm. the first one actually really wasn't that, it was more of, like, a Men in Tights, but it was actually, like, pretty funny. Yeah, I remember liking the original scary movie. And then, like, it just evolved into the joke is it's a reference. Yeah. It's, it's it's big bang big bang theory. It's, it's like in Meet yeah. the Spartans, uh, Xerxes is played by the one fat guy from uh, Borat. Oh yeah. Like and it's like ha 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 ha. It's not really like that one joke from Scary Movie where Shannon Elizabeth she's like at a talent show uh-huh. and she's like I'm gonna do a monologue and then she sees her boyfriend being murdered by the scream guy in the background uh-huh. and she's like somebody help him oh god they're killing him <laughs> and everyone's like oh my god she's such a great actress. It's a stupid joke. Yeah, but, it's a stupid joke, but, but it's great. Uh, one of my favorite jokes is actually from the, one of the worst scary movies. I think mm. three or four. One of them had... It. Leslie Nielsen joins in three, so that's some pedigree. Yeah, it was three. Because uh, also there's like a really weird... Uh, it, like I don't want to give it credit, but it's kind of hilarious. Mm-hmm. Okay, two of them. In the same movie, which is supposedly like the one of the worst ones. Uh-huh. That's the one where like it really hit rock bottom and then it kept going. But um, there's one great moment because they're, they're, they're making fun of science, a.k.a. referencing science. And at some point, uh, the aliens actually themselves show up, like, these little, like, gray men kind of looking things. They, like, grab people, and they're just like, what are we going to do? And the one guy get, breaks off, grabs a bat, and then whacks an alien's head off. And he goes, I got it! They're weakness! They're, they're useless without their heads! <laughs> <laughs> That's actually pretty good. And, and there was another one where a bad guy was going to, like, shoot somebody, and then Leslie Nielsen, like, opens the door and pushes him off a cliff, and he, and he says... Um, Oh, he goes like, uh, I, I just want you to know, I'm, I'm, I'm super proud of you. I'm sticking with you. It's like the same thing he said in Airplane. Remember sure. like the, at the end where he kept going in and saying the same thing over and over again? Yeah. Like even though they already landed. So I just want to know, we're counting on you. Yeah, that's what, he says that exact thing. Yeah. In the, and it's just, it's, it's funny, but. Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> R.I.P. That guy was amazing. He gets away just because it's Leslie Nielsen. I don't know. Anyway. Airplane. So, yeah. So, that's our Pocoroso talk. Pocoroso talk. Do you, I mean, do you, there's not okay, much no. more to it. It's great. Go watch it. Oh, what well, I was going to say, do you like the the English dubbing? It's fine. <laughs> I, um, I, I think there's... It's not the most elegant dub, but, you know, I, I, I'm i not one to rail against dubs too much. I think a lot of them are really good. Mm-hmm. Now and again, you'll run into a pretty bad dub, and it's actually makes it unwatchable. One of my favorite anime right now is called Food Wars, and... It's a really unattractive dub they do. Like one of the main, one of the principal characters is supposed to be this like this prissy princess type, like hard as nails, mm-hmm. and she has this very kind of high speech in Japanese. Japanese. And in the American dub, they give her like a Kim Kardashian Cali speech, and I'm like, ew. It, it's a misguided attempt. Yeah. Yeah, I think someone thought it was funny and it wasn't. Or it's like, hey, instead of doing it like that, which is very Japanese, let's do it American, which is like, let's make her Kim Kardashian. It was like, good idea. Then, oh, it's so funny. Then they heard it and they're just like, oh, that didn't work. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, I watch a lot more anime than you. I, I, I'm kind of mixed on this, and I think one of the we can talk about this, especially in terms of like Michael Keaton, because Michael Keaton seems perfect. I'm still not 100 sold on it. Like. Mm. It, it does sometimes like I think some of maybe his deliveries just aren't really that great. 
then it kind of gets better, I think, towards the end, especially in the climax. But um, I think for a lot of it, he it sounds like he's not really he's he's not really making like a good character decision. It just sounds like him reading off something. Yeah, I think he he's he, supposed to be deadpan. Yeah, but he, he he almost reined it in a little too much. He, yeah, he he kind of does do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, oddly enough, apparently Miyazaki's favorite voice for it is for the Italian dubbing or French mm-hmm. French dubbing, which is done by. Jean Reno! Jean Reno! Yeah, um, which I'm curious what that sounds like. That sounds awesome. That guy's perfect for having a gravelly monotone. I keep thinking that, I don't know why, Jean Reno should have just done the English dubbing. <laughs> eh, I guess. He, he would have worked. I think he actually... I think Matilde. Because I, I think Keaton plays it, you said it right, like a little too reined in. Mm-hmm. I think Jean Reno would have added like that, that just uh, being French, having actually a French accent. gravelly guy, yeah. I think that would have been like, better. That's Keaton playing gravelly, and John Renault is actually gravelly. John Renault, just be yourself, being like a little subdued and, and cynical. I like it. Yeah. It also made me think, though, I really do like uh, JGL's portrayal of uh, Jiro Horikoshi. I do not, I cannot stand I it. I like it a lot, actually. I, I do not. He has that kind of, the right kind of jilt, like the jilted kind of speech to it. Uh, I like I, it. I, it's... We're talking about The Wind, the wind rises, rises, the last Miyazaki movie, which was my second favorite of uh, Miyazaki's films in Studio mm-hmm. Ghibli as a whole. But uh, yeah, in the in the American dubbing is played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Jiggles. A.K.A. Jiggles. Mm-hmm. Um, and A.K.A. I'm, Robin. I heard it. I'm not a huge fan of it. I like it. Uh, the original, the original voice, the original guy that got to do that in the Japanese thing isn't a fucking voice actor. It's the director of Shin Godzilla. He's a director. He's the director of Shin Godzilla. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite movies in the past five years. Yeah. And uh, and many anime people out there will know him because he's the guy who did uh, the uh, elevator scene. Neon Genesis. I just saw something like that. Like that was it was like written somewhere. I think it was on like. Instagram One of my favorite YouTubers of what's called a Super Eye Patch Wolf does a famous like video essay defending the elevator scene. I, I think okay yeah I know this is really esoteric guys just bear with us for a second but this show esoteric this we're getting and a, tangential I think we're getting a little too esoteric I think I so. have my doubts so like no he he did he like he make he's a writer director animator he's not really a voice actor. And like I said, I said this before many times. Go to Netflix and watch the fucking documentary. Uh, I think it's called In the Kingdoms of Dreams and Madness. I think it's just singular. In the Kingdom of Dreams and Madness. In the Kingdom of Dreams and Madness. Yeah, which sounds wrong every time I say it, but yeah. I think that's right. In the Kingdom of Dreams and Madness. Um, where they 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 actually have on camera like the moment someone suggests that guy whose name I'm fucking forgetting. Ano Hideki Ano, Hideki Ano. Does that sound right? Uh. Yeah. Okay. But like someone suggests them, and and you see Miyazaki just go like. Oh, that's not a bad idea. Oh, it's just I'm the s- kingdom of dreams and madness. The kingdom of dream and madness. Okay. Okay. But that's 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 really great, and he has like a really distinct voice. Like he's not a performer, but he's just like he. Ha- it's very it's very organic. It, it's very. He sounds like a wise. Hideaki Anno. Okay. Okay. Uh, he sounds like a real like wise beyond his years kind of dude, oh. which is just weirdly perfect for that character, and I think that basically gives the the guy himself whose name I'm fucking forgetting. Jiro Horikoshi. Um. Uh. Him, like, a lot more personality, and, like, his character is really, uh, yeah, it, it's perfect for that. So, like, when I hear Joseph Arletta, I'm just like, wrong. And uh, it, it's a lot like whenever you hear, like, the first whatever voices you hear the first time. Like, I have this with Akira. Mm-hmm. When I hear Akira in my head, I hear, like, like the VHS that I had recorded from television. Like, That's what? Yeah, the, the sergeant. Shop! Yeah. I can't even do that voice. It I've only so really, I think I've only really listened to the new dub. Uh, I, I think I listened to it once. It's now, dub. now I just watched the I watched it with the Japanese. Yeah, it takes up in Japan. There's no need for the dub. Yeah, it, 
it's hard to get over that first one. And even then, like, it's still kind of weird. Because also, like, you can pick up, like, little differences between, like, the writing mm-hmm. when they do it, too. So, anyway. Uh, Gabriel, I think we're going a bit long. Yeah, I think so. Oh, come on. Don't get... But all of our esoterica. You should... You you are fully aware... You're fully capable of saying, hey, Daniel, I think we're going a bit long here. Really? I'm allowed to do that? Yes, you are. We're going really long. No. I and I want to talk about this book. Whatever, Gabriel. I tell you what. Don't ever say this, but whatever you do, give me fucking attitude for it, all right? I will give you attitude whenever I want to. I know you will. You I don't need to tell you to do that. So... What? In the meantime, all right. we're going to break. Okay. When we come back, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about the elevator scene. And Finally! <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Uh, go to break. You go to break. Uh, I have no beginning. You cleared so... your throat to clap? No, I clear my... Th- and I, you clap. I didn't want to clear... Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I can't just start... I can't clap and then go... <clears throat> or I could go <clears throat> and then start talking. It looked like you cleared your throat too clap. It was anyway. So this is slow readers. <laughs> Welcome back, listener readers. Welcome back to the show. Slow readers, where we read slowly. Or if um you jumped ahead to this point, welcome to the show. Yeah, we talked about uh, some very important things. Some world changing things. Some world changing things that we I'm talked really about NATO. About it. NATO. We talked about uh, North- Shark NATO. NK, aka North Korea, which is an abbreviation. I just I recently was picking up sure. on it. That's a fucking weird one. Okay. Uh, yeah. Gabriel, yep. we, uh, not to bullshit or anything like that, we have a fucking book to talk about. We do? We got a fucking book to talk about. We do? We got a long-ass book to talk about, too. This book this is long. our first nonfiction book. Wait, hold on. What about that one time I did The Shadow Over In's Mouth? Oh, yeah. Fucking told you, dude. Journalism. Gabriel, what? Uh, so yeah, which is presented as journalism. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Gabriel, we have a book to fucking talk about. You I said know. It's the first nonfiction book we've done. Which Correct. I, I'm still hesitant because I don't know. I'm pretty sure. Because I wanted to do a nonfiction book for a while. Okay. Well, this is it, and we definitely got like a nonfiction book to rule all fucking nonfiction books, right? Uh-huh. Uh We got the 2000, the year 2000. Uh. Publishing Sensation. The Distant Future. It was a huge fucking deal when this came out. It was a colossus. It was a colossus of catharsis. The shadows of this colossus loomed large. There you go. It is Kitchen Confidential. Starring Bradley Cooper. I can hear you like rubbing your eyes. I I rub my eyes very hard. Yeah, yeah. You got like fucked up eyes, dude. It's like shloop, shloop. Uh, Kitchen Confidential by Anthony Bourdain. Anthony Bourdain. So, um, Gabriel, why are you on your phone? <laughs> well, I'm looking up to see if we did any nonfiction. Well, Green River Killer, kind of. Kind of, yeah, but. Pumpkin Spots Latte? Uh, we didn't do anything. Same with all the other ones. That's true. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah, Kitchen Confidential by Anthony Bourdain. Yes. Uh, this is the book that, uh, basically the whole reason why we know who Anthony Bourdain is, is mm. due to this book, because, uh, he was a, a chef, as we, uh, just learned. Why does he have a sword on the cover? I've I just wondered I that. don't know. I, I was wondering about, they mentioned, like, briefly, like, a, like a sushi, um, like, saber or whatever, or something like that in the thing. And also how he carries a sword around campus. <laughs> yeah, he sounded like exactly what he says. It's like a total like pretentious asshole, asshole. Um, which is like, which is perfect for him. Yep. Um, but no, uh, Gabriel, this is uh, uh, kind of what I was mumbling at before. Uh, everyone knows Anthony Bourdain. He is a he is like the epitome of celebrity chef nowadays. Even mm-hmm. though he hates the term, yes, indeed. 
Um, I don't know if he he doesn't really he's not really a chef anymore. Like no, he he's just he's basically like a document like documentarian at this point. Yeah, TV show host. He, he's like yeah he yeah he's essentially yeah 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 yeah. He's um, the best job in the world. You might yeah essentially um you might know him uh uh, uh as the guy who's dating uh Asia Argento. Asia. Asia. I was gonna say how do you pronounce Asia? Asia. Asia. Good good job, Dario. Mm-hmm. Um. So uh. No, he uh, he's the host and uh, creator of uh, Parts Unknown. That's Cook's new. Tour. Cook's Tour, which was actually, well, I'm going backwards. Okay. Because his, his first show was A Cook's Tour. Mm-hmm. Because uh, like, he wrote a book after this called A Cook's Tour. Then there was a, sh- uh, a Food Channel show, which I think is ironic. Because yeah. in the introduction of this, he says, or I think it's like the first chapter where like, I don't mind pissing off people. It's not like I'm going to get like a cha- uh, my own show on the Food Channel. Which yeah. is literally what happened because of the book. Yep. Uh, which was A Cook's Tour. Then I think he did uh, No Reservations? I think so. Okay. And so then Parts Unknown. He has, like, less shows than I... Than I, I feel like he has more shows. So that's not really the case. I don't think so. I think it was only... I mean, he made a lot of appearances on, like, Top Chef and shit. Yeah. He, he became kind of like a Simon Cowell type for a while. Uh, kind of, yeah. And um, and the uh, Cook's Tour wasn't really, like, a long, like an ongoing real thing, Not right? long, I think. It, it was, like, like two a year seasons? or two or something, yeah. like that, I think. And then, uh, then he did uh, 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 No Reservations, a no. title I just said. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did that for like a fucking while. Yeah. And then, uh, and then he got pissed off at CNN, broke it off with them, and then got a new gig with uh, doing Parts Unknown, which is what is that AMC? Is it AMC? That was like, like Travel Channel or something. Oh, I think it. I is. have no idea. Oh, that's a good. Point. I've know. never actually watched any of his shows. Oh yeah. Yeah, not a single episode. I I actually I read all of his books, <laughs> but not not a single episode of his show. I've I've skimmed through some of his things. I I saw much more of No Reservations, mm. and I like No Reservations more than I like Parts Unknown because was part... uh, a certain famous writer on the show. Yeah, I'll get to that in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I kind of like No Reservations more than uh, Parts Unknown because Parts Unknown is a little more of a uh, of a travelogue. I see. I see. Like he, it's more about that. Like you know, he's gonna talk about like this. Oh, no Reservations was on the Travel Channel. And I think Parts Unknown is on uh, CNN. Okay, I thought it was the other way around. No, it's the same travel channel. Um, and, uh, so, yeah, like, it's a little more of a, it's a little more of a travel show than it is about, I'd rather hear him talk about food. I, I and don't get me wrong, like, it's, it's cool to hear about, like, like, the, the places or whatever, they get into pretty cool stories, but overall, I just, I, I prefer hearing about the, the food, and I think the adventures yeah. he goes on, and then the other thing is actually pretty good. Daniel, do you like food? Yeah, it's okay, I guess. You know, you know, occasionally I just sometimes I just buy a cheeseburger from McDonald's and I sit down and I just fucking eat the stuff. You just go to town on it. I just go. You sit in your car, you roll up all the windows. Gabriel. What? I like food. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you like food too. I love food. I'm yes. a big food guy. I, 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 I don't call myself a food guy just because like um A food guy? A food guy? Mm-hmm. A food guy. I'm a food guy. I'm a Fugazi. I'm a Fugazi band. Uh, no, no, I, I, I really like food. I, I definitely like, I like cook. I you like cook cooking. way more than I do. Yeah, and I'm not very good at cooking, mm-hmm. but, like, I still like the act of cooking. No, you're, I, you're not a slouch. I mean, I think where our, where our food, like, interests intersect is that, one, you are much more engaged with the idea of cooking, mm-hmm. whereas I've been working in the food service industry for the better part of the last 10 years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it has something to do with the fact, for me personally, that at some point being in your 20s and just going, like, at some point how do I feed myself like an adult? Mm-hmm. And I just act, for some reason, it just really hit me. It's like, well, I need to cook for myself. And it's like, 
or I don't know. Actually, I don't remember. And I, 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 I wasn't prepared to talk about this because I was just like, oh, that's right. I never talked about my relationship with food. But no, at some point I just thought like, well, I need to pay attention about the shit that I eat. Mm-hmm. So like if I could control the shit that I eat, why not control the shit that I eat? So I started cooking for myself. Yeah. And like ever since then, it's really been, you know, a, a kind of a fun adventure with that. Like I said, just trying. I've done, I've, I'm so surprised at when I cook things and it ends up being really fucking good. But mm-hmm. yeah, more often the case. Other than that, I just I've had your food. Fun. It is pretty good. Hey. Yeah, um, I don't cook for myself, basically. That um, when I'm at home, the last thing I want to do is make the effort to cook for myself. Mm-hmm. So I'll usually, I'll, like, have rice and eggs. I Or I'll have, like, eggs and popcorn and, like, raw spinach. I eat very, very simply when I'm at home. Yeah, I, 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 I love going out to eat. I Yeah, I also love going. I, I, love going, I, I always miss it's that. It's, like, my about, favorite activity to go whenever I'm traveling. It, it is my favorite thing to do in, in New York City, and that's the one hard thing to get used to, the fact it's, like, well, there... It's not so much that you can go... Like, there are really nice restaurants around here. Like, just mm-hmm. this week, I was uh, I had dinner with my dad at uh, Henry Salt Sea, mm-hmm. which is, like, still, like, I think one of my favorite plates I've ever had in my life is that uh, lobster francaise. Oh, word. Uh, which is fantastic. You should definitely check out Bolite, which really, again, is a nationally ranked restaurant. Yeah, but it's a fancier place. And it's not that fancy. It's really not. I've, okay. I've eaten there twice, and their brunch is spectacular. Um, I have had really unearthly great meals there okay because and it's it's not horribly expensive mm-hmm. like I'll, I'll, if i'm going i want to indulge myself and even if i'm going nuts if i'm having drinks i'm having appetizers i'm having oysters having dinner i usually won't spend more than 50 or 60 bucks okay and yeah that's i, I think like it, it's always like kind of an interesting thing in that even like bourdain will even talk about where it's like you know it's not just like the food you make it's like the location the setup the the mm-hmm. all that stuff ambiance so like i'm not a huge i don't want to go to a place like in this area as much where it's super like upscale and kind of uptight mm-hmm. not in this area even in like new york city like i hate going to a place and it's just like a little too uptight like i no i always prefer something a little jankier yeah, that's why i love going to ramen shops in new york the uglier your ramen shop the more i like it oh i love i love those little ramen shops that you'd get or like some like little like corner place that like makes pho and it's great. Yeah, I I think my two major comfort foods are pho, and uh, and uh, like a, like a kind of Greek thing of like a gyro platter. Like Great sidebar, where do you get pho around here? Uh, I don't. Um, the one mm-hmm. in White, the one by the Home Depot is pretty good. What is the one by the Home Depot? Right next to the sex shop. Okay. There's actually a pretty solid Vietnamese place there. I did not know that. And uh, in the what's it called in downtown in the downtown farmers market, there is a amazing tiny Vietnamese place. My parents don't get the pho there because they'd rather try the new food, but the food is fucking tremendous. Um, in the farmers market, I will actually 100% go there. Yeah, the ones. There's a place not far where I live where I get Greek food. But bro, do you want to go like, what's what's today? Uh. Thursday. April. Good call. Okay. Let's get Vietnamese food. I'm down with that, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, like, the Vietnamese food there is so unbelievably good. No, I, I okay, but I actually tried to make pho. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I actually tried to make pho recently, mm-hmm. but, like, uh, because our old friend, a uh, friend of the show, Sabrina Russo. Sabrina Ann Russo? Who, from uh, Brinasbites.com? From Brinasbites.com. Hi, Sabrina. She had a recipe for pho. Okay. And I, it's something that, like, I never really, because I never look at her soups, because usually when I cook, I want to make... I really prefer to make like something very uncomplicated, but very, very good. Sure. I, I really, that that is my preference. Also, because, again, I'm not that much of a cook. Yeah, when I'm at home and I want to be fancy, I add caper berries to my tuna salad. Oh, Gabriel. Yeah. I love cooking with tomatoes, capers, uh, spinach, and mushrooms. Those are my capers. favorite things. Which yeah, those are, those are wonderful. All those actually go together to make 
France says, but <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, uh, but um, yeah, it, she she had a recipe for pho, and the hard thing about making pho, because that's like, how do you do this? It's so simple. It should be cheap. Mm-hmm. Like, what is this? And here, like, you need to make it with like a very specific kind of like beef bone yeah. broth, broth yeah. or or stock even. And like she says, you have to get this kind. And I go, okay. And then I went to go make this this one day, and I forgot. It's like, oh, you can only ever get that fucking type only online. And it's really expensive. No, that makes sense. Her recipe called for four cups of the stuff, and like a single. Four? How many? How many? How many are the four portions? Cups. Uh, well, it's fuss. So like, you make a lot. You guys supposed to make a large amount of just like stock for yourself. Yeah, it, so. it, and like four cups. And it, and this is it's quintessential for like your typical kind of like commoner peasant dish, you know, where like mm-hmm. you, it's like avgalamano for uh, for Greek, where sure. like Love the whole a, idea a, is you make a gigantic avgalamano. Avgalamano. I think it's avgalamano. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. Yeah, I've had it. It's fantastic. I love it. I don't know how to pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've made it plenty of times, and actually it turns out pretty well because like it's it, when you make it, you make a gigantic pot of it. Yeah. And like that's the point. Yeah, you don't make you don't make a cup of soup for like twenty bucks. You make like enough food to feed your family for a week. Yeah. Um and and yeah, but pho, it's like for four cups, that's like forty five bucks worth of fucking like. That's bone a broth, lot, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bone broth. Bone broth. So anyway, so enough about so, talking. So kitchen confidential. Kitchen confidential. So basically, you and I care a lot about food. We are adult males. Um, I didn't start caring about food proper until I stopped drinking so much in my late twenties. When I discovered that instead of blowing money on shots, I could be spending less money on an amazing meal. Yeah, that was that. I also had that. I think I might have had that a little bit before, slightly before you. Not that I, you know, it's a, yeah. Not that it's a dick measuring concept, but Daniel, <laughs> tell that. the kind people if they don't know what is Kitchen Confidential all about. Okay, Kitchen Confidential. Before we get again to another anecdote, reminiscing about my past with food, which no, I was. This, this is a topic I love talking about. I love talking pre- about. Food I was with not people. prepared to talk about this too because yeah, I was thinking no. like we're gonna talk about the book and it's like, oh, what about me and food <laughs> and you and food and yeah. like that's a huge conversation. No, I, I love working in the restaurant industry. I, I can never. I've I've been very unhappy and like miserable since I left. Well, here's the fun thing about this is that uh, Anthony Bourdain definitely has a certain kind of personality that he talks about in this book. Mm-hmm. Where and I like I think my favorite bits were like stuff at the very beginning and then stuff at the end, like little tiny hints of like of like a thing that is absolute like some of the greatest like little details of like a story. Yeah, his his insider stuff. I mean, the book came out as kind of like it's Kitchen Confidential. It's all about the secrets behind the door. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of sold like that, and I think the um, I, I think he says like originally there like the story like the the one chapter in here because it's basically like also a collection of essays yeah. sprinkled sprinkled with like a th- like a thorough story about like his memoirs about like mm-hmm. growing about yeah, he was a he, writer for a while when he first discovered he liked food getting into cook like kind of accidentally getting into cooking realizing mm-hmm. he wants to cook and then Provincetown and then like fuck fucking up his life and mm-hmm. then kind of like slowly climbing up out of that and like he found his calling heroin uh, at, man at La Haye. Um, Leal. Leal? Leal. Because I only got that pronunciation because the in the story where like he like one of like the his providers like sent tomatoes to a wrong to place Layla. and he says like I keep meaning it I should really say the name is Les ha- Les, Les Hollis or something like that yeah, yeah. Leal. Uh, so this is and like I think the very first thing was like a chapter where he talks about like how you don't order fish on a Monday yes and I think that's become like kind of like a huge like catch all like people come up to him and says like hey uh, so like still really don't order fish on a Monday huh. Um, 
but it goes to like a bunch of other like kind of like faux pas like watch out for this mm-hmm. hey man you know I'm a chef I do what I can but I fucking suck at this so don't trust that it's like it's like a cool tour book into what it's like to actually be in a, re- in, a ki- in a restaurant industry and in a kitchen it, it, it is the but is the one part that is truly like a kitchen confidential mm-hmm. like you know kind of like this is behind the doors uh, my favorite chapter is what's it called here's a day in the life thing because it just captures that thing amazingly all the details of what it's like to he wakes up at like at 5.55 every day and how he puts his entire day's routine and how he actually screams at the wrong provider. Yeah. And and it's like, it's super engrossing. It's like any good book about someone good at their job. Uh, Yeah, I I really appreciate that in terms of how much it is a fictional retelling of your day because... Mm -hmm. Several of those things are, of course, like, anecdotes from all over the place that he, like, combines effortlessly to kind of, like, pretend it's, like, this is an average day. It's, it is and it isn't. Mm-hmm. But, like, he'll put in, like, the story about, like, how his tomato provider was late. Yeah. So he calls them up, screams, like, Jeff, no tomate. flips out on them. Yeah. And then, like, later on realizes, oh, I didn't order from them. Yeah. <laughs> Someone else did it. And, and then that's he's, how it goes. And when he talks to those people, the, the in fact, the one that he said, like, uh, oh, I need to start saying my the, the, the restaurant's name is La, La, Les Howells or whatever. Yeah, Les Howells. Um, that, like, he was kind of, like, sheepish about that. Then he keeps going, like, uh, I'm not going to apologize just yet, but I should. <laughs> yeah, no, he's busy. He has shit to do. And there's, there's that, and there's, like, the other things, whatever. But, like, that's your favorite bit. Uh, for me, it was... I like the initial stories. The initial stories, and this will get people excited who have who actually haven't read this because you've read this before, right, Gabriel? Yeah, this is very formative to me. I read this shit like right around when I started working in restaurants. I was just like bussing tables and like pouring a beer now and again with the bartenders busy, like I don't know, doing coke in the bathroom. Uh-huh. So I, I kind of picked this one up randomly because I I don't know what even drew me to it, but I read it. When I was like in my early twenties, you weren't a big fan of Anthony Bourdain before. I didn't know who he was. Okay, I had no idea, and I, I forget exactly how I read this book. I think I passed it to Eve, or maybe Eve passed it to me. I don't recall. Yeah, I bet he would like this. No, Eve it, loves this book. For me, I'm late to this party. Yeah, because, Eve like, read this, and then he became a cook. <laughs> I I can see that, and don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, this is a real formative book, and like I just read this now, mm-hmm. even though like again, like I know who Anthony Bourdain is. You know, I, I've seen I've seen some of his shows. I'm not a huge fan. Obviously, like my my two favorite episodes or episodes, not my favorite, but the ones that I definitely immediately saw was. Uh, on both uh, No Reservations and Parts Unknown, he had a Montana episode. Mm-hmm. And for Montana, he uh, gets he meets up with his old... Uh, uh, his cowboy rival. His, uh, one of like uh, Bourdain's huge influences in his life and writing and also in just lifestyle. Dalton Wilcox. Uh, Jim Harrison. No. Jim Harrison. My, my a personal hero. He's not a hero of mine. You sure? No, not in his kind of way. His lifestyle? No. Yeah. Like, complete, <laughs> op- complete opposite. Like, Anthea Bourdain is... He's clearly the kind of guy being like, that's a guy who fucking lived. Yeah. And and Jim Harrison definitely is that kind of guy. That's, that's not my personality. That's interesting. It's kind of like what I what really appealed to me is like the, the punk rockness of it all. It's why I wanted to become a server and a bartender. Oddly enough, uh, that just reminds me. I just watched uh, on AV Club today, they put on a thing about the, the movie Fear and Lolly in Las Vegas mm. and how it's a time capsule. It's almost like a period film about that time when of like, like, punk rock like writers who like went go for broke yeah. and like Lance Bangs it's it's actually it's a really read the AV Club thing it's really interesting sure. because like essentially like he makes the point that it's like 
that's just that's unthinkable today. Like that, and that the joke of it was that he was supposed to go cover like a motorcycle thing, mm-hmm. and like he got like so much credit to like rent a car, stuff full of drugs, buy a gun, prepare for like weeks, and then and then like immediately he's just like this is gonna be the chasing the American dream. He all he's supposed to do is cover a fucking motorcycle thing, but yep. but like that kind of thing, it's it, it it's a bit similar to someone uh, Anthony Bourdain would appreciate. I imagine Bourdain would like uh, Hunter S. Thompson I'm sure more than I'm sure the rest of us. But yeah, uh, I don't get it. I, I, I think I, he's a very cohesive writer. But for a lot of like, I like it a lot. He can he can write some real beautiful shit mm-hmm. uh, occasionally. Yeah, yeah, and and it's it's I appreciate the objectiveness of reading a story, but like I would not. Uh, yeah, he's a nightmare, and then mm-hmm. that's kind of also part of the story. He's an asshole. Yeah, no, I, I I've worked for this guy. Like they're like he he depicts the kitchen life perfectly. That oh, I was talking about Thompson, not 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 Bourdain. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, you know but what about Bourdain? No, I'm not saying Bourdain's an asshole, but just you know, he he has a, it's a fucking hard ass job. Yeah, yeah, it's it's you bec- you end up working in the kitchen. I'm, you know, I I feel kind of like bummed. We Ryan would have loved to be a part of this episode because I think Ryan is in fact uh-huh. he became a chef and he loves this book. Oh, yeah. So I never got involved. Like the most I did is dishwashing in the kitchens, and I, I knew it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. I have too much personality and too much sensitivity to be in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Like no those. You'd end up there because you don't fit anywhere else, because you're not good of people, or because you're very good at expressing yourself via food. I ended up front of house mm-hmm. and bartending, which is the best of all worlds. And and I would definitely be I would I would be behind the kitchen door, but not in the way that Bourdain describes it. Because mm-hmm. I think those But was, you love cocaine, bro. I do not love cocaine. You love the dead well, boys. There's actually a really interesting take on that, that mm-hmm. especially like one of my more favorite parts that happens towards the end of this. But let's also say that Bur- uh this was also one of the first real tastes of people depicting kitchen people mm-hmm. the way they really are. It might yeah. not even still be. I think it's changed a lot. It, it definitely has. It's it's quote unquote imp- or cleaned up. Let's say yeah. It kind of like it kind of went a little bit sober. Like it's not so debauched. Mm-hmm. Um, because also Bourdain was like a he was a fucking chef in like the eighties. He's in the seventies and eighties in New York. So yeah. that was like like heroin times. He he t- besides it being like. Was I was like cocaine, times. and then heroin was kind of creeping in. Unfortunately for him, yeah. But um, but he even says that like back then there was such like ridiculous excess. Like I forgot the what which um which kitchen it was, but like like every kitchen that these people who were like millionaires would throw together would be like gaudy, like nonsensical things that just like are doomed to fail because they're not. Oh, it was Mario's. They're not functional. Yeah. And like little bits like that, and and everything was fueled by cocaine. Like everything sounds like a real stupid like cocaine fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, I bet I bet that's what exactly what it was back then. And and it's not just those people too. It's also like the kind of things that Bourdain himself did as well. Where mm-hmm. like he was were um like some like him and like his like weird crews that he would get together. Like the, I remember like the first one was really like his kitchen where he brought in all his guys and yeah they were just assholes. That's the one where like they they wrapped up um. I think it was uh, Dimitri, the mm-hmm. one who, like, they wrapped up, covered in flour to make him look pale, and, like, they stuffed him in the fridge so that yeah. when the manager goes down, uh, he opens up, and there's, like, Dimitri looking very dead and, like, yeah. wrapped in cellophane. Yeah. St- stupid shit like that. Yeah, no, that's that's people who end up in the restaurant industry. Yeah, yeah. And I love them. They're my people. Even though that might, even though that might not be as serious as that. No, it's not. I, I'm sure it's not that crazy anymore because I mean, with like Food Network and uh, people in the age of the foodie, people. Mm-hmm. I think Abordian writes about this really well in Medium Raw. His um 
It's kind of like a sequel to this. It's, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's about how kitchens have cleaned up their acts a lot. People expect to know their chefs, and there's a lot more. It's become like a bit more hoity-toity. It became a chefs became a can be not only can be celebrities can be a little be more stars. front of house exactly. I was say, yeah. And then you know, like the people expect a person of a beautiful, clean white and a toque, mm-hmm. and it's not it's not the wild west anymore. Yeah, um, yeah, that's something interesting because also it's kind of crazy thing about that. This came out in the year two thousand, really mm-hmm. before the distant future. Definitely before the distant future. Definitely before like even like foodie culture was even a thing. Of before nine eleven. Before that, even before nine eleven, it's it's almost twenty years ago. Yeah, and and the, he even says in the afterward that like yeah, all of a sudden like things kind of it, it back then, and it's hard to imagine today, but like back then, you didn't want to be a chef. Being a mm-hmm. chef was like being a servant. Yeah. Whereas now, to be a chef is sexy. Yeah. I mean, like, cook, chef, whatever you want to say. But yeah, cook, chef, depending on Yeah, being a cook. Like that, it was it was like like disgusting work. Yeah. And then, like, even, now, to be, even to be a chef, yeah. I would say, even back then. And there's definitely, a, like, a romance to it now. Like, a lot more so than there used to be. I would say there's there's a romance to this, because here, here's oh, the no, thing. I think it's a different kind, though. Uh, I think, like, now people, I think people very proudly send their kids to culinary school. As he says in the afterword, where, like, mm-hmm. back then... He said, like, people spend, uh, parents send their children for 20,000 years. $20,000. a year, not 20,000 years. Yes. Um, <laughs> How <but> many leagues? <laughs> they, sent, uh, they, they send their kids over there, foot the belt, and they brag about it. Yeah. And he's like, that's just unthinkable to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, it, it's become, like, uh, uh, classy to be be cooking professionally. Yeah. And I think it's become, you know, it's food culture now. It's it's porn and it's art and it's high class to be there's, there's to obsessed of food. Yeah. I mean, like, look at, like, 80, like if you ever read, like, a recipe book from the 80s, it's all fucking mayonnaise and ham. It's it's kind of gross and huge foods. That's that's also something Just else. I, food I, changes. I'd be very interested to talk about this for greater length, but it's almost a huge thing. I mean, he says as much, talking about, like, like going into the history of food, especially in America, mm-hmm. because, you know, we're a country of immigrants, so everything comes from fucking overseas and, like, other cultures that we're stealing. And it was only in the 20th century uh, with, like, Julia Childs when all of a sudden, like, French cuisine bled into the American culture. Mm-hmm. And, like, without like before that, food sucked. Like, you ate food because you needed to. Yeah, and no then, sustenance. Yeah, it, and it, I think there's, like, it would be such, like, a really interesting... I feel like there has to be some really cool books out there talking about, like, like Americans, America's history with food in, like, the 20th century because it was, like, the rise of, like, McDonald's and, like, processed, processed to shit food. And then, meanwhile, you're, there was also, like, uh, all of a sudden a market for French cuisine, Italian cuisine. Yeah. And then beyond. So, like, I think that would be a really cool thing. And he talks about this as well where, like, yeah, like, someone, like... I, I love the fact hearing that, like, sh- the great chefs... Still, when like they need an extra recipe, they'll still like open up a Julia Child's book and yeah, and, like, no, it's just, it always comes down to Julia. Yeah, yeah. which is which is great. I, mm-hmm. I, I I like that quite a bit. Um, Gabriel, <laughs> oh, let's talk about Anthony Bourdain's personality. Okay, <laughs> so that's enough. Or let's talk about. No, let's talk about his personality. Okay. Um, because I, it's kind of the least interesting thing about this book for me. I well, I want to. I, I don't. I'm. I don't buy into his. Oh his yeah. Fucking spiel. It's definitely him as a younger, cockier man. Yeah. I mean, which no, I don't, I don't want to talk about that as much. I want to talk about something else. Okay. The kind of personality behind someone who can get like addicted, to, like, who's susceptible to addiction. Okay. Because he's definitely that kind of person. I've heard. Yeah. Like, I've heard these kind of things also. Uh, uh, talked about in an episode of Marin. Mm-hmm. That was actually really great because it's always telling that. 
and because Bourdain says as much, and it's I really love this. That he he goes the entire book talking about like how you know kitchens do this, they don't do that. Uh, you're hungry for this, you got to be this kind of person. And then like not only in the afterwards they say that's been changed, but like in the later in the thing he talks about a little guy named Brian Scott, mm-hmm. who is like this like monastic, not monastic, monastic. Yeah. Huh. Oh, he's more of like like he's like the complete antithesis to everything that Bourdain yeah, believes. He's very restrained. He's restrained. His kitchens are relatively calm mm-hmm. and quiet yeah uh like it's more it's more uh, it, it's not it's not like the over dis- over display smorgasbord of like machoism like yeah. personal invasion and like all these other like really horrendous like boyish at like like there, fun housing it's such an interesting thing about restaurant culture as well that like i think nowadays like brian scott's kitchen is more common that You'll hear about, like, there's a lot of kitchen staffs, kitchen chefs, who refuse to let music play in the background of their kitchen. Because if, like, uh, in some of the restaurants I've worked at, that's definitely been the case. Because you're supposed to be paying attention to the food. You're not talking. You're not fucking around. You're not humping each other. If you're not focused on the food, then what the hell are you doing in the kitchen? Yeah. And, because, like, in terms of, like, if I, was, if I read this when I was, like, a teenager or something like that, like, mm-hmm. you can easily imagine a lot of people reading this, especially when they're very young and, like, being like, yeah, I want to do that. Yeah. Um, easily, it's it's a very it's it's an exciting uh, story to talk about, like how you know how you love something, why you love it, and how you mm-hmm. do it, and also just being like, oh, it's not pretty, it's fucking gross, and it's 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 indecent, but it's 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 a high, uh-huh. and this is basically what I was gonna get into his personality, where like it's very much like this whole idea, and it's very much like a, I hate to be so crude, but like kind of like a junkie personality of essentially just like, it's like yeah, every fucking day in the kitchen is life or death. Um, you're, you're, it's like a hair trigger. Like when there's day, there's times when Bourdain is like fired or after like a big fallout with like his, what, like the owners or whatever. Yeah. And then like he like sleeps for three days because just to come down from like that extreme mm-hmm. constant high. That sounded like an insane thing though. The, the whole Pino story. Uh, yeah. That was the one with like the guy who was like uh, put away and then he came back and he was like a fucking lunatic. No, that was a different one. The one where he sleeps three days? That's when he worked for that um, restaurateur. I think, I think he did that both times. Oh, okay. Or, like, he slept for a long time. I was talking about, I was talking about the one with the, the chicken joint. Oh, yeah, that, Billy's. That was owned by, like, the guy who was, like, a like a, a front... Who, like, would kept putting yeah, away mob, money from, like, the mob. Yeah. And then when he came back, they gave him a job. And then he, like, lost his mind. Yeah, became a hatchet man. Which is kind of... Yeah. And then, um... And uh, the other one was, like, Pino. Pino was the one... Was, that wasn't the Tuscan one, right? That was that was the Tuscan one. It was the Tuscan one, yeah. yeah. Where like he he had to open a massive restaurant in ten days. <laughs> he had a he had a ma- massive restaurant, and he didn't. He admitted that he wasn't great at the food, and like he had a sous chef, I think, that was like entirely working against chef him. Chef de cuisine. Chef de cuisine. Yes. Which is what? What's that again? Um. So if he's the executive chef, that means he's in charge of the kitchen. Mm-hmm. The chef de cuisine might be more in charge of the food proper. Okay. That it's 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 let's less it's just delegation kind of, and there might be two different things. You might have someone who is the boss of the house, uh-huh. and you have someone whose job is specifically work on the food. They're supposed to work in tandem. Yeah. Yeah. But... Well, everything's supposed to work in tandem, so it's kind of crazy that. The guy who's in charge of the kitchen and the guy who's like really like like on the ground hand like hands on mm-hmm. more hands on let's say yeah is like like they don't like if they're on ends so like yeah. that's, that's fucking crazy. it's just not gonna work and uh, and it doesn't and it doesn't um but uh also I want to say like these names also change up depending on like the 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 kitchen setup because that sounds like a sous chef. Like mm-hmm. the chef de cuisine on a maybe on a smaller scale kitchen, of course. I mean, the sous is just like your second in command, or it's almost like a director and an AD. I always thought that was the case. Where um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it would be like director in in the thing. I would imagine 
uh, Bourdain might be like the producer and then like like old-fashioned Hollywood where like he was like the producer and then like the sous chef would be the director. It depends on the kitchen. It really does. It does, yeah, I guess you know, so. It's, you, it, it, there's no blanket coverall. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of like exec chefs who do all the dirty work and there's plenty who just sit back and all well, like the sous or the chef of the cuisine takes care of everything. Yeah, so... Um, I, I love restaurant culture. It, that, no, it's know, it's fascinating. It's a good story. Yeah, it's a great story, and I, I love working in it. it uh, it's, it's very comfortable for me. The the like like again like Bourdain's world, especially in this story, for mm-hmm. most of it, like I could not exist in that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, hearing like uh, the the chef Brian Scott at the end, I just go like. Oh, thank God. Like, the whole thing, the whole point of that just being like, hey, remember when I said that, like, you know, chefs do this, you know, don't, and it's like, yeah. this guy proved all that wrong. That's what I really appreciate about Bourdain's writing. It's yeah. that he's definitely one of the first guys to admit that he's wrong. That he may talk of a lot of bluster and swagger and he may be an asshole, mm-hmm. but at the very least, he can admit when he's outclassed. Or I was talking to um, a friend who has this really awful boss, mm-hmm. and I think my, my logic is that, or even better, my old boss, the bookstore speakeasy, my old my old manager, that I think you have every right in the world to be an asshole, but the very least you should be is good at your job. That if like if you're an asshole and you're bad at your job, you're useless. You're a useless human being, and just go I don't know, fucking work in a basement somewhere, you don't have to engage with any other human beings. Yeah. That you don't end up in a business where you have to handle people without being one or the other or both. You can be um, bad at your job, but a really fun, good person to be around, and uh-huh. no, that's that's workable. You can figure, you can help each other. Or you should be a shitty human being, but fantastic at your job. Yeah. And I think that, that's kind of like what Bourdain is in a way. It's like the Bigfoot message is that it's like, be meticulous, be... Be on time. Be on top. Be completely on point at your job at all times. And sometimes you have to be the bad guy. Yeah, the... Yeah, one of the big things that I learned from Bug, Big Head. Big, big head? head? Big Head? What am I doing? From Rockwell's Bigfoot. Modern Life. Uh, it's, it's just the idea that, like, oh, people, like, you can you can blow up, you can fuck up, like, your last several jobs, but the thing is, like, people hire you based on your character whether or not they can mm-hmm. work with you, and that was weirdly Bourdain's kind of, like, saving grace because, yeah, yeah, he, he had a long, uh, uh, rough uh, patch in his life, mm-hmm. which, yeah, I can't believe he was married throughout all that, too. Yeah, that, well, that's it didn't last. crazy. It didn't last after the publication. That's true. Once he got famous, then it ended. Yeah, then then he did. Um, but at the same time, like, like hearing, like, his that his wife stuck through him, like, I, forget, I, don't, I don't remember how, he, he never really mentions when they got married, mm-hmm. but, like, for a lot of, like, the life that he describes in this book, like, he was married. Yeah. Which is, I don't know, kind of nuts. I think what it's it, it is. It sounds like hectic. Oh, no, I agree. Yeah, it's like um, being... we mentioned. Uh, we had um, friend of the show, Katie Ann Kometz, on uh, sex and violence the other day. Wow. Yeah, we talked. She's interested in the food industry. Well, she's also she's studying to be an engineer, and she also was kind of she liked working in the restaurant. And she's like, I don't know, how are you supposed to like date while doing it? And me and Ryan were like, never ever date someone in your restaurant avoid dating in the industry at all because it doesn't work it makes no sense i mean like ryan and i our our significant others are well age well educated professional women who are slumming it with us and that's just good for us yeah date date up date up (laughs) there you go um yeah okay no that that's uh that that's good advice to poor katie Kometz. also geez i called her poor just because it's like oh she wants to get in the food industry and uh, well, here's the thing. Like, also with a friend of the show, Sabrina Russo. Sabrina and Russo. Brina Bright. Brina's Brights. Brina's Brights. Bright. Brina's Brina Brina's, 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 Brina's,
Um, is that like I've always said like like oh is it ever your dream to like be a chef or do you want to own a restaurant? She's like no and no. Um, I mean because don't get me wrong like not to. Not to, like, say that she's lazy or anything like that, but, like, her thing is that, like, do you know how hard you have to work to be a chef? Yeah. And she's like, I can't, like, I don't necessarily want to aspire to that. Like, essentially, you'd have to work insanely hard, as Bourdain himself describes yeah. this. Yeah, 17-hour days. And, like, and you make good money if you're a chef, like an yeah. executive chef. Yeah, but like, boss. But, like, other than that, it's going to be, yeah, and also, obviously, you just don't jump in as the yeah. boss start as a cook and or even lower you start as like the plongeur or something or it's, something like that yeah it's a tough road to hoe so like so i like didn't she... become a bartender proper for years yeah it, it took a while just for that too uh and that's not even cooking haha yeah uh so, so like yeah no but like it's it's a hard fucking like it's not it, it, it like some people absolutely want to go for that and good for them but like I think also Sabrina was more mature, like like a little bit, like she's not like, a, she wasn't like 20 years old, 18 years old going like, I want to be a chef. Mm-hmm. No, she was like in her in her like later 20s and she's like, yeah, you know what? I don't think I would work in there. I don't, yeah, work, I wouldn't, no. I wouldn't be able to do that. It's not for everybody. I, I, I don't think I could handle the kitchen. No, I fucking not I know I couldn't. As much as I love, uh, like I said, like just like that, that's uh, Brian Scott, whose name I'm slowly forgetting. Mm-hmm. Brian Scott, like it's like that kind of kitchen. I'm like, okay, Cool. Yeah. I, I'm glad. I'm glad that's able to work. When I was at Henry Salt the Seas, the chef is in the middle of the place. Mm. Like actually, at the end of the bar is like where like the chef is, and then like they probably do pep, prep work in like the back or whatever. Yeah. But like he's like right there, and like you never really hear anything out of him. You know, hardly a peep. So like that's always a thing, and that's also perfect if you're like a great cook because yeah. that guy's a fucking good cook. I can dig it. Like it's a tiny little like almost like a hole in the wall like like old bar set up, mm-hmm. and it's just it's just small enough. It's just perfect. It's great. Go to Henry Salty. Okay. All right. Are we going on too long? No, I'm enjoying this talk. Okay. But probably yeah. Uh... Okay. Well, I tell you what. Let's uh, let's go on break. Uh, just to kind of like uh, uh, tighten this up. I don't know if we, I feel like we hardly talked about the book. I think we did. We talked mostly about food, but also the book. And our and our like, relationship with this stuff. Yeah, that's, that's what people are here for, Dan. Yeah, it is. That's people actually, are here to catch a wicked hang if they're main bros. This is why nonfiction is more popular, I think, nowadays. Or it's an easier thing to talk about. I was never a nonfiction reader until recently, and now I read almost exclusively nonfiction. Yeah, and it, it, it makes sense. Um, the older it, you get, the more you want to know about the world. And and it's it's easier to talk. It's easier to relate to something like in Kinship Confidential than it is to read like Stephen King's The Outsider. Even yeah. though like we can pick it up and talk or about how much the, we liked the, it or the, didn't the, like the, it. Sh- the Night of Shadow, All Night Falling by Glenn. Chef. Yeah, yeah, you think you said the title right? Mm-hmm. Um, like it's easier to t- it's easier to relate to that. Whereas like previously, like I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so like something like this, it's a, it's it's much more fun conversation. We can talk about ourselves in relation to the topic. Gr. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, uh, let's, let's go on break real quick. Oh, uh, when we come back, we might have like a tighter kind of wrap up. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe we'll play an Al Smithy game. Maybe we'll play an Al Smithy game. Okay. Uh, let's tell you what, let's actually go on break. Okay. 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 Ryan. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and cough on me, you fucking asshole. What, Ryan? I'll leave that in too. Ryan. Ryan, fuck you. Ryan, fuck you. Ryan. Ryan. Yeah. Take us a break. Okay. Hi there, I'm Ryan Snyder. I'm the co-host of Sex and Violence, another little uh, podcast we do on the Top Gallant Radio Network. I co-host this show with Gabriel Mara, who also is co-hosting right now on Slow Readers. If you like movies, come on over and give us a little bit of a listen. We come out every Thursday on the Top Gallant Radio Network to talk about boobs, blood, full frontal nudity, a lot of tit talk. I know Danny's a fan of that, so you'll probably like this on this podcast. 
You can follow us on Twitter at SNB Podcast. That's S as in sex, N as in Nancy, V as in vicious podcast. Welcome back. Hi. Dear listener. Hello, friends. friends. Gabriel, this is, uh, first off, thank you very uh, very much, Ryan. Ryan was here. He jumped in, said mm-hmm. his thing real quick. He says every fucking time. Yeah. And then he bailed. He wasn't wearing a shirt, but that's okay. Well, yeah, I mean, sometimes clearly he, like, really dragged himself out of bed. Mm-hmm. Like, his, like, face is, like, plastered because he slept on that in a drunken stupor. Yeah. And then uh, his one eye's red and the other mm-hmm. one's sagging. He's a mess. Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, Gabriel, mm-hmm. uh, so it's time we do this little thing called Final Thoughts. Okay. It's not a real segment. Yeah. Well, let's pretend like it is. The final thoughts. Okay, Gabriel. So, okay, this book, Kitchen Confidential, clearly, uh, after our, our previous 40-minute conversation about it, clearly we're not the biggest fans. No, I think just think it's, it doesn't hold water. Does it? Well, I'll tell you what. It tastes bad. Gabriel, you said as much before where yeah. you felt that his personality is the weakest bit. I think there's a charm to his personality. I mean, like I wouldn't say it's the weakest bit, but it's, it's not, you know. What I was going to ask is, like, you know, it's been a while since you've read this. It's been quite some time. I don't either. Uh, it, it's been a while since you've read this. Uh, how has it aged for you? Um, it just felt like, I don't know, it's, it's exciting like it was first time still. And it's kind of fun reading this after having read his other books. Like Medium Raw, he comments on how his whole life has changed since then. Yeah. So it's like reading, you know, it's just reading a memoir from a younger man, knowing how he, how he turned out later on. It's still fun. I'm still positively charmed by it. It still reminds me of how much I miss working in the restaurant industry. And uh, it makes me like, really want to go back to it. I think it's still a fantastic read. It's still one of my favorite books. And I think that's crazy. Because like I said, like, like I said, like it, it's very much, it's again, to be crude, very much like a junkie kind of thing. It's like, it offers like an incredible high, but it's always going to be, but it's always like so messy and, and, and whatnot. What, the book or restaurant culture? The, that kind of, specifically the way that he describes it. Because he's describing oh, yeah. like that old fashioned, just like cutthroat kind of style mm-hmm. of, of like running a restaurant, which, which has changed. But like, it, and, and it, it seems perfect for this kind of thing because Bourdain himself, when I keep meaning to talk about, when I mean his personality, I mean like... Mm-hmm. This personality that you see that, like, that bloomed, like, his whole connection with food as a kid was, oh, if I try this thing that grosses people out... I love oysters. I'll, I'll like, adults will respect me, mm-hmm. I'll gross out people, and all of a sudden he gets introduced, it's like, okay, by the way, like, 10-year-old Anthony Rodane, here's a cigarette... Let's let's uh, uh, what do you call it? Shuck shells for like hours and eat them. Yeah, and that talk sounds about magical. It. Like it sounds it sounds like the uh, all kids need it. All kids need someone to be like, oh, if I do this, I'll get cigarettes and wine. Yeah. I'm in. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're all turning into great people, yeah. like Anthony Bourdain, a.k.a. he should have been dead, yeah. like, several times he said as much. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, um... No, he, he paints exactly how amazing both the the miserable lows and incredible highs of working in the restaurant industry. It's He captures that feeling of freedom, of being your own person, of not being like everyone else. It just, you know, it it feels like rock and roll. It, it, it does, and I, I feel like, um... I'm sure he wasn't expecting this this to be anywhere near as popular as it ended up being, but I feel like there, there's probably like a lot of like embarrassment over like how like like fuck yeah, dick out, bro, like he was in this because mm-hmm. I'm sure like especially being like the mature man he is, just being like, like yeah, I was I was a lot more careless <laughs> even yeah. like even as a quote unquote young man as like a forty year old man in this. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, uh, so he yeah he was a writer yeah. obviously before he published this because like some of these stories were. 
uh, published beforehand, such yeah, as the like one we New talked Yorker. about. Mm-hmm. And um, and also the uh, A Visit to Tokyo or something like that. What was it uh, called? I don't recall. Uh, that one as well was published before. Uh, and he started writing novels. Now, did he actually publish those novels before this? I believe so, yeah. Bone the Throat and something else? Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know out there, uh, Anthony Bourdain actually published uh, crime... Like mafioso uh, uh, no- uh, novels that were always centered around, obviously, food and kitchens and restaurants and such. Because, uh, and he even has like a really great chapter uh, based on that where he worked in restaurants that were mobbed Yeah, up. like of made men, that kind of thing. Yeah. And but, Billy's, that whole story. And Billy's, yeah. Zoda, yeah. Actually, I've been actually losing the details of that one. I just realized as I'm saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, but my favorite bits were Gabriel on your phone. Yeah, sorry, Jenny just texted me. How Here, dare Say you. hi to Jenny. Or I'll just smile. Daniel says, get off the phone, Gabe, (laughs) for recording. Get off the phone, Gabe, for recording. There you go. Thank you. Uh, But, um, no, my favorite bits were were the stuff at the end. Uh, Some of the characters we didn't really talk about as much were uh, Stephen, his sous chef. Yes. Who, unfortunately, uh, uh, left for Florida by the end of the actual, like, the main body of the book. Uh, And I... Steven's old buddy Adam, Adam, real last name unknown. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the bread savant. He was one of my favorite characters of mm-hmm. this. And there's a whole chapter based on him. Basically, he is a guy who is a flaming car wreck of a person. He, he like, it begins with like an anecdote of him like calling, just yeah. saying, like, feed the bitch. Feed the bitch, feed the bitch, or she'll die. Which is essentially like, you know, like whatever his like his uh whatever, like his dough mixture or something, you gotta yeah. constantly feed it to keep it fermenting or else it'll go flat. And, like, and like he's a junked-up mess who's, like, about to be... Who supposedly needs to stay in his apartment because he's about to be evicted. And he, if he leaves, he will be evicted. <laughs> and he's also, like, on all kinds of things, probably hungover still. And everyone cannot stand him personally. Mm-hmm. And yet, between Bourdain and the guy from uh, the supper room, right? I think. Was that him? I forgot what it was. It was one of the other places. They keep hiring him because he's, like... He's, like... Even though he talks early on, like, difference between, like, being a craftsman and artist. Like, the guy's, like, an artist. Mm-hmm. Of, He's, like, the Van Gogh of, of bread baking. Pretty much, yeah. And it's it's kind of crazy. It, he's a, yeah, he's a, the whole book is filled with, like, all these amazing characters yeah, character, like that. I mean, like, the people in here is what kind of makes it so fascinating. It's what you, it draws you to it. It's all the strange people you find you belong with. Yeah. And my, my restaurant industry friends are some of my favorite people in the world. Oh, I'm sure. They, they, there's some real genuine fucking characters. Yeah. Like hardworking too. Yeah. Like you, you don't succeed in the restaurant industry without either being incredibly hardworking or being so crafty as I'll get away with it. Yeah. And it's kind of, yeah. And that's, that's what I love about the, the Adam character because apparently he gets away with everything because he's so fucking crafty. Mm-hmm. And, uh. Oh, actually, you'll enjoy this. So. Jenny, who is in the Netherlands, says, I found this little library today. One of those tiny little library things. And she went to look at the books, and there were only three books inside. One of them was this one. She says specifically to show you this. One second. The Seduction and Other Stories by George Carroll Oates. Nice. The Oates. Uh, the funny thing about George Carroll Oates is that, like, it... I almost said a moment. I've never heard of that book, but I don't. I don't know most of. Has a million. Oh, it's his books, especially short story collections. But um, go on, sir. And uh, what's some of my other favorite bits? Uh, early on, I love hearing about not only the Dreadnought crew, like mm-hmm. his very first kitchen crew, which was like a little like seaside, yeah. like shore place with like mm-hmm. you know quick bites or whatever. Yeah. And my favorite bits early on was the crew who worked across the street. Was it? Was it? It's Mario's. Mario's. Is that what it was? You said Mario's about something else that was actually mopped up. 
Oh, no, those Billy's. Billy's, okay, no, the names. Yeah. Restaurants sometimes have, like, really kind of... Generic names. Ver- I mean, obviously, ones. but, yeah. I mean, even, like, with the supper room is obviously yeah. the most generic, but that's, like, apparently, like, a classic place. Yeah. Well, like, not to interrupt you, but... Okay. Uh, so, th- it does kind of, like, bring me to an overarching question I have for you on this, as it's obvious why I love this, because I threw myself into working for restaurants. I love working for restaurants. I love the freedom of the craziness. So, from someone who has never and has never wanted to and probably never will work in restaurants mm-hmm. what like so do, what is your overall like point of view on his stories is it impressive is it kind of depressing it's well yeah it's a little bit of both it's um it's impressive because like again this is a i mean just like hearing anybody else people stephen king said this especially people love hearing about other people being good at their jobs yes like if uh for, for screenwriters out there if you want to be super i don't want to say hacky but if you want to be a if you want to be a screenwriter out there have a have a character and if you want people to like that person have that person do something amazing at his job people immediately just go oh i like this guy or gal yeah look at like nearly any like tv show protagonist in the last few years it's someone who is deeply flawed and miraculously good at their job your don drapers your uh your walter whites your yeah. gregory houses and you can and especially if you want like that that crappy like bad boy like yeah. tv show like uh like your sherlock's or whatever like these people who are horrible people horrible at being people but are amazing at the jobs a lot like Adam, last name unknown. Yeah. He's the cornerstone of all that. So just, those are all fascinating stories. They're, they're interesting. They're impressive. Um, it's, I like, again, like, of course, I, I like food. I love food. And I never really thought, it's, I'm always, Anthrop- okay, the other thing I need to get into is that Anthony Bourdain's a really good writer. Yeah. <laughs> um, we never really said that as much. We talk about his stories being good. I said he was a good writer. The specific thing that I want to get to is like, oh, he's also a really good writer. Yeah. He's not, his writing style isn't necessarily my favorite. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm still kind of curious when the fuck I'm going to get around to reading Jim Harrison's... Uh, uh, really write, Big Lunch? His food writings. Yeah. Um, which I, I, I read like a third of it and really liked it, but I just kept on like putting it back down. Yeah, that's that's unfortunately the case with, with me right now. I, I picked it up, read a little bit, and I was like, I like this. And then that was like months ago. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, no, he, he's very great at it. So he knows how to, he knows how to definitely tell a story. I mean, all this sounds like one of the most interesting, like an executive chef sitting down being like, like, Hey, over the course of a dinner, getting uh, more and more drunk, telling these awesome stories about going to Tokyo and about, uh, about like this, the, the crew who worked across the street from his first place who are super like macho dudes with like piercings and tattoos. And they have like, they look like a bunch of pirates yeah. and they were, they speak in obscenities and 19th century literature lingo. Yeah. And uh, and they refer to each other with, like, feminine names, feminine mm-hmm. nicknames, like sweetheart names. Yeah. Uh, like, I heard that, and I just go, that's a good story on its yeah. own. Well, it's, um, it's real, too. And that's, yeah, that that's the other thing is that it's real. Like, it's funny that reading this now, none of this surprises me. That when I was when I read it first, I'm like, what these crazy characters? And now I'm like, oh yeah, no, that's how it is. Well, the funny thing is, none of this surprises me as much. I mm-hmm. guess I was a little, you know, expecting that, like, like the madness and the chaos. And when he says early on, it's like, oh, it's an absolute madhouse of just like drugs, indulging, you know, all this shit. Like, it, it, you know, it's like, okay, no, I took that for the word. Everything else is like, well, yeah, that's indulgent behavior. Okay. Yeah. But like, yeah, I, I don't, I didn't find any of it terribly surprising. I don't think so. Yeah. I think some of the kitchen conditions were... I think the one... Remember the one that was in, like, the skyscraper in New York where, like... Yeah, Rainbow sh- Chefs were, were passing out from, like, the, the constant heat and, like, the workload and, like, legitimately yeah. fainting because mm-hmm. just the heat alone. Like, that's 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 crazy, but yeah, that's a little... That's strange. the life. I know, and I love it and I miss it. I like the meat story. What do you know about meat? Mm-hmm. That was a good... That was, that's, that's a genuine, like, like, 
bar that's a fun, story. Yeah, that's a funny know. little bar story. Yeah, it, it is. It, it, it's it's really great. So yeah, good book. C minus. Recommend. Anyway, uh, <laughs> C minus. Nice try. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, Gabriel. Yeah. First off, let's let's talk a little bit about what we're gonna come up, what we're gonna do afterwards, because uh-huh. we have something we need to we need to talk about right now. Okay. Because Is it Kevin. We have no. Let's not talk about Kevin. Okay. Kevin's already killed everybody. We, we, we need to talk about it. Yeah. Well, that's actually anyway. Um. So mm-hmm. <laughs> we need to have what we're gonna do first off because we can either one do like I could publish that nine and nine. True. Which I kind of don't want to do because I think we have another exciting project coming up. Which a project? That's a weird way to put it. Uh, gimmick, shtick, spiel. Special episode? Special episodes. Okay. Of covering the new book Oh, that thing. by Stephen. Yeah, you're giving me like a look. Like I was like, you know what I'm talking about, right? Well, we have, we have, we have guests as well. We have guests as well, yeah. Are they gonna are, are well are, are they gonna be ready for next week? Um, maybe. Okay, well we'll put a pin on that for now. But mm-hmm. okay, we have a couple things to keep up with uh, all you listener readers out there. Is that yeah. we're either gonna be publishing one more nine and nine? Because mm-hmm. I actually I really I'm not gonna publish that just as like a bonus because like. I mean, we might as well save it. Yeah, I guess so. But it's, it's, there, there's gonna be a time where we're kind of fucked and don't have an episode. I, I'm, I'm giddy about like it's like oh, man, I want to publish that one. I like that one. It was a good <laughs> conversation. Good story. <laughs> the more I think about the story, the more I like it. Anyway. Okay. But uh, but also we want to we want to do over the course of several episodes. Yeah, we're we may be changing our format soon, a little bit. Guys. Yeah, just a little bit because I'm um, uh, um I think it was um the professor who pointed out to me kind of idly like why is your show called Slow Readers. I'm like, cause we're slow. Well, Daniel's a slow reader. I'm I'm a fast reader. He's like, well, kind of a kind of a false premise, isn't it? I'm like, well, yeah. It's like you know, you should just kind of, you guys should just do like one book like a month, and just talk about that book for a month because we're reading it so slowly. And at first, I was like, what do you know? Oh, that's actually a pretty good idea. That would save us a lot of time. And considering how much tangent talk we do anyway, uh-huh. that might be the better way to do it. We did do that with Macbeth. I mean, you hardly... I'm not going to finish that book, hardly read it. And then, and then <laughs> well, it's not gonna, It's going to be a while until we go back to it. I probably might never finish that. I want to get I want to get Ryan and... and I'll need to, like, break my leg. There's there's a couple... There's like, a, there's, like, a couple episodes I feel like it's like, I got to get Ryan in to do that. Yeah. And I don't know if we're ready. But anyway... But no, maybe not. Maybe not an entire month. But I think the outsider will do that for in two or three episodes. Okay, I think we should. St- I think maybe we'll do it three episodes and then a guest. Here's the thing: it's long. Yeah. But it's like it's a Stephen. It's it's actually not that long for a Stephen King book. It, okay. It's like five hundred pages, like some like nicely spaced out. It's not like Macbeth. Mm-hmm. Macbeth is really long and really dense. Yeah. The Kitchen Confidential is really long. It took yeah. me a while to read this. I was reading it in fits and starts, but it's like it's it's yeah. The word that, count that, is high. That's that's a fun page turner for me. Uh, Outsider is a page turner. We've also read it before. That makes it a page turner. Yeah, like like all the pretty horses is a page turner to me because yeah. I've read it several right. times. Before. Well, yeah. so we're gonna consider changing our format a little bit. Oh, I think okay. it might be fun to do like we dedicate three week three episodes out of the week out of the month to covering a bigger book and then one episode as a guest short story random thing. Oh yeah, and it's also gonna give us a little more incentive to maybe pick up also longer books like yeah like legitimately like we can do outlander like this and, yeah which is also a page journal so It'd be great. and i think it'll be longer. more like a book club kind of thing that if we set ourselves like points you have to get to and you know what i want to do that new uh that that last john le carré book i, I really think i we, we should go for that i don't think it's not a very i bet you would <laughs> well and all we should also do and not kidding this time around the name of the one anna karenina do the what? We can if you want to do that. I don't think I want to do that. Okay. Uh, but it's a great the book. name of the wind as like as like a non-going oh, thing Patrick, to be honest with you. Uh, Patrick Patrick Dorf, McEwey. Dorfus. Rothfuss. 
What about that joke? Rothfuss, which sounds like a made-up name. Uh, he's the only one who tweets like a writer. Oh, yeah. I feel like it. everyone else, like, King is very active. Oates is incredibly active. And also, I love like, the idea of Oates is always on Twitter. She's like this ancient 80-year-old woman who's like on Twitter shouting yeah. at people. Who looks like, like, octogenarian Wednesday Adams. Yeah, she looks like an octogenarian Will-o'-the-Wisp tree. Okay. Will-o'-the-Wisp tree? It's called a willow tree. Like a willow tree? Yeah. And, and, and then, that 80-year-old willow tree isn't going to be very big. And then, like, Patrick Rothfuss tweets like uh, an introvert. Sure. <laughs> so he's the only, I'm like, he's the only one who, like, sounds like a writer. Yeah, he knows what the name of the wind is. Gary. Anyway, so, Gabriel, uh, let's wrap this shit up. Okay, so next week we're doing either another 9 and 9, or we'll have um, our special guests, or we'll start The Outsider. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's up in the air. Good we'll luck see. with that, dudes. We'll figure it out. We're uh, busy. Gabriel, we have shit to do. Come on, plug things. Plug things? Okay. Listeners, please check out the other Top Gout radio show. It is Sex and Violence, your weekly punk rock movie podcast, where Ryan Snyder and I discuss gory, violent, sexy cult films today and yesterday. Um, we just had Katie and Komets on the show. It should be a nice time. We're going back to format soon. We're doing back to a sex pick, violence pick. And I think uh, we have Blade of the Immortal coming up. And we're going to have, I think, for you, Daniel, what? after our next run of um, sex, violence, punk rock, we're going to do Brother of the Wolf. Hey, Yay. I already had something in the back of my head where it's like, oh my God, guys, we need to do this. Is it Brotherhood <laughs> of the Wolf? No, something else. I keep forgetting what it is. Okay. Uh, besides that, I'm going to follow me on Instagram at babymara, five A's. Um, check out our Facebook group. And I think that's it. Uh, the Facebook group, Top Gallant Radio and Friends. And Friends! So if you want to just, like, be in the conversation while me and Gabriel just, like, kind of, like, hash out things, also talking about with with guests. Post and book memes. Like uh, do you want, Ryan, Ryan is there. Ryan Snyder. He, he might peek in and make a guest appearance. Or Cyan Ryder. Uh, and the other, and the other mean times, sure. Uh, you can go on Twitter and Instagram at Top Gallant Radio, mm-hmm. uh, where I post some things. Also... Uh, the new t- uh, Slow Readers uh, Instagram page, which I created just for this. Uh, check that out. It's going to be really fun. And also pick up a copy of The Shadow from the Deep off of uh, Amazon, from Amazon Kindle. It's usually regularly priced only 3 bucks. Let me say it again. It's regularly priced at 3 bucks. Uh, but if you check out on uh, Wednesday or Thursday, it'll probably be free. Free! It is a little horror story infused by, actually created, uh, was inspired by films, a uh, little film called Sorcerer by William Freakin and a 2012 eerie documentary called The Leviathan. Sure. Those are the building blocks of the thing that kind of created this inspiration, the structure. We should of send thing. a copy to William Freakin and see, how, is he dead? No, he's still alive. He's still yelling at people. There's actually a really famous one where he he interviews uh, Nicholas Winding Refn mm. and gives Refn a lot of shit to his face. It's funny. Out of respect. Sure. He's kind of like, I'm going to do your favorite kid. Yeah, he's essentially like, listen, kid, let's fu- let's have some real fucking let's hardball talk here. Let's get brass tacks here. There, uh, I saw a clip of I'm it. I'm not going to bullshit you. You can't bullshit a bullshitter. Refn wouldn't back down from calling Only God Forgives a masterpiece. And like when he... when uh, When... Freakin kind of pushes him into saying, it's like, yes, I still believe uh, Only God Forgives a Masterpiece. Freakin turns around and just goes like, hey, I think we need a doctor in here. You should send William Freakin a copy of your book and see if I'll give you a blurb. Uh, I almost thought you said a blowjob. <laughs> yes, <laughs> correct. Hey, Freakin, you want a blower? William Freakin just goes like, hey. I don't know. Actually, he's a, he's so fucking weird. All right. All right. Gabriel, I'm what? done with this. Fine. Oh, we got a game to play and Vietnamese food to get. Oh my god, I want Vietnamese. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.
This has been a Top Gallant Radio production, executive produced by Daniel Gonzalez and Gabriel Mara. For more shows and information, go to topgallantradio.com. Thank you.